Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So we're starting a new little mini-series today, just a three-week series called Stand. Why is prayer powerful? Why is prayer powerful? In his letter to the churches in your Bible, James writes this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who's righteous here this morning? Yeah. <laughs> you can put your hand up if you're a follower of Jesus, because effectively, oh, okay, that's good, okay. <laughs> Jesus imputes, theological term, his righteousness to you. He gives his righteousness to you. He, he, make, he puts it within you. It's a free gift of his. That's the whole essence of the gospel. To be made right standing before God is to be declared righteous. And so when you choose to follow Jesus and trust him and give your yes to him, he gives you his righteousness. He gives you right standing before God. That's why it says in the book of Hebrews, we can come before God uh, without fear. We can come before God wholly acceptable. We can come into that holy place in God's presence because Jesus has made you righteous. Yeah? So next time I ask that question, all put your hands up if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're unsure about following Jesus, maybe a halfway hand would do. But, um, but yeah, you're righteous. You're made righteous through the work of Christ. And so the prayer of a righteous person, which is you, is powerful and effective. Good. It takes some hard work, isn't it? Your prayers are powerful and effective. And they're powerful and effective in different places and in different ways. And over the next three weeks, we're going to look at different spaces where your prayers are powerful and effective. We're going to look at three ways, three different ways that we stand in prayer. The first way we stand in prayer is we stand alongside. We stand alongside someone else and we minister God's love and God's support and God's grace to them. We stand alongside someone. In prayer. The second way we stand is we stand in the gap. This is often called intercession. And to intercede literally means to stand in the gap between someone's situation and God. It's like you've got one hand up to God and one hand out to the person. You're acting in intercession. You're standing in the gap for that person. You're bringing their case, their plea before God. And the third way we can stand is we can stand up. What I mean by that is we can cry out for the voiceless. We can stand up for those who are struggling with injustice. We can stand up against all those things that are happening that are wrong on the face of the earth. We can stand up in prayer and pray against those things and pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. So three ways we stand. Stand alongside, stand in the gap and stand up. Today we're going to look at This first one, stand alongside. The first time someone prayed for me, it wasn't a great experience, I'm afraid. I've been a follower of Jesus about two weeks, 
And I went along to a lively Pentecostal church, lots of hands in the air and clapping and jumping and, and lots of lively worship and a real sense of God's presence. And at the end of the, the talk, the sermon, uh, there was a, a call to prayer. Anyone want to come forward for prayer? I can't remember what the call was, but I was young and enthusiastic. Remember those days? And, and I thought, I'm going to go forward and get some prayer because that seems to be what followers of Jesus did. They went and got prayer when the opportunity arose. So I, I went forward to the front of the church and I waited and I stood there. And eventually um, a young chap came up to me, a friendly face, and he offered to pray for me. And he suggested that I put my hands out and I close my eyes. So I obediently did, put my hands out and closed my eyes. And the man began to pray. And he was praying some nice prayers. can't remember what he was praying for me, but it all seemed very amicable and easy. And then suddenly I felt this pressure on my head. So I said, yes, then. Were you there? <laughs> and I felt this pressure on my head. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Um, so as he pressed, I kind of dug in. <laughs> and the more I dug in, the more he pressed. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Is this what prayer's all about? A bit of a tug of war and the old push and pull. Uh, and I thought, this guy, he's trying to push me over. He's trying to push me over. Is that what prayer's about? Okay, I thought, what do, what do I do? What do I do? Do I just keep digging in and resisting him, end up in this kind of spiritual strength match? What do I do? And then I heard him say a strange thing. He said to me, just go with it. Just go with what? Go with the pressing and the pushing? Or what, what do I go with? Just go with it. Well, I thought, we could literally be here all day. He was pushing, and I was resisting and pushing. And then I thought, oh, whatever. I kind of crumpled into a heap on the floor. And uh, seemingly satisfied with his work, the man walked on. And I was left in this kind of confused lump on the floor, thinking... <laughs> so I kind of opened an eye to check the coast was clear. And he'd walked on to pray for somebody else. And um, I got to my feet and walked back to Keeley, who'd take me to the church, uh, hoping I'd have this spiritual encounter. And um, she was beaming. I remember the smile on her face. And she said, you went down in the spirit. I said, no. I was pushed over. <laughs> and she was crestfallen, as you can imagine. And what was worse, a work colleague... Um, called Elaine, who was a bit worried about me because I'd become a Christian and she was worried that I'd joined a cult. So she'd come along to the church just to check everything was okay. And so when she heard me say I was pushed over, all her fears were confirmed <laughs> that i joined a, a push-you-over cult. Um, so that wasn't a great opening for me for someone coming alongside me to pray. But thankfully, it didn't put me off. It didn't put me off. Um, I've hugely appreciated people praying for me over the years, and that's why I want to talk about it today. The man who prayed for me all those years ago seemed to think he needed to add something to what God was doing. It seemed, he seemed to think he needed to add something of his own to what God was simply doing in the place of prayer. That's not what standing alongside someone in prayer is about. It's not about that at all. It's not bringing what you've got to bring to the party, particularly starting to push people around when they've got their eyes closed. 
I want to talk about actually what happens when we stand alongside someone in prayer today. And the first thing that happens is that we represent Jesus. In John's Gospel, it says this. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, people get confused with this verse. I think the word being referred to here is your Bible. They think it's the, it's the Bible is the word, but it isn't. That's not what this word is referring to, because the Bible wasn't in existence when John wrote this particular passage. The word here is a word called Logos. Where have you heard Logos before? Tina's on a ship called the Logos Hope, isn't she? And it's a, it's a word in the Greek which is used to describe the essence and the fullness of the cosmic Christ. When I mean the cosmic Christ, I mean Jesus, the essence of Jesus before he was incarnated into flesh. So if you imagine the whole, the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, the eternal cosmic Christ is the Logos, is the living word, is the, is the living and active word that was preeminent and preexistent and eternal and cosmic before being incarnate in flesh. Are you with me so far? So the word, the word becomes flesh. The cosmic Christ becomes incarnated into flesh. That's what the word means, incarnate. It means literally to be put into flesh. So the cosmic Christ, the embodiment of God, gets incarnated, gets put into flesh. So Jesus is God incarnate. Okay? This is all good theological stuff for you this morning. Okay, so Jesus is God incarnate. And so when we stand alongside someone in prayer, we incarnate the spirit of God to that person. Does that make sense? We become the flesh with God inside. We incarnate God to that person. We are God with skin on when we stand alongside someone in prayer. And that's why doing that is such a powerful thing to do, because we bring the presence of God close to that person. And so whenever you offer to pray for somebody, and whenever you come and stand alongside them, regardless of what you say, and whether you think you've got any clever words to bring, you are first and foremost incarnating Christ, which is an incredibly powerful thing to do for the person that you're praying for. You're demonstrating to them that Christ is present in their situation, in their circumstance, in their pain. That you're demonstrating that God is present whatever circumstances they are going through. You are physically representing the person of Christ to someone. I can't say how important that is. It's so, so, so important. And the reason I'm trying to get this into our heads this morning is because we've often been resistant to pray for people for a whole variety of reasons. We get, we get scared about, about, we won't have the words, we'll come to that in a moment, but we, we get scared and we don't, we don't incarnate God next to somebody who needs it. And it's one of the most powerful things you and I can do is to simply come and stand alongside somebody who needs prayer. Because as soon as you stand with them, You show them they're not alone. You show them that God is present in their situation. 
You physically represent the love of Christ to them simply by standing alongside them. We've got a little mantra at Riverside I've talked about before. We say, no one stands alone. No one stands alone. And, and the reason we say that is because we believe that we're all called to incarnate Jesus to one another. So if someone comes forward for ministry, responds to a call to prayer, and then no one goes and stands alongside them, then how does that person feel? They feel alone in their situation. But just by simply going and standing with them, you may not even have to say anything, but standing next to them and being physically present, you're incarnating Jesus to them. And we're all called to do that. We're all called to be that person. Everyone should have someone who can come and stand alongside them in prayer to represent God's love for them. So we represent Jesus, the first thing we do when we stand alongside in prayer. The second thing we do is we demonstrate Jesus. When the Apostle Paul was stopped by the lame man who was begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, he said to him this, He said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So Peter didn't have any loose change. He didn't have any silver or gold, didn't have any money to give the man. But he did have the authority and the power of Christ. And he exercised this when he ministered to the man. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he spoke healing into the man. And this healing created a huge reaction to the people around and about. It says this, The man held on to Peter and John, and all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Then he goes on to say, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. So people were amazed by this healing and they thought that, that somehow Peter and John had this magical power within them to heal people. But straight away Peter says, it's not me. It's not me. It's the person of Jesus Christ the authority whom I carry that's made this person well. It's not by our own power or our own godliness. And straight away, Peter's doing one of the first things that we always should do when we go to pray for someone. We have to remember it's not about us. Back to the guy who pushed me over. For some reason, he thought that prayer time was about him. But actually, it wasn't. It was about God. And it was about what God wanted to do in my life. So Peter straight away points away from himself, says it's not about me, it's about the person of Jesus Christ. That's one of the first rules we have to adhere to when we're praying for somebody. We never draw attention to ourselves. We never point to ourselves when we pray for someone, when we stand alongside. We always point to the person of Jesus. And secondly, he says the man is healed because of Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. The authority and the power that we carry in Christ isn't like some magic incantation that we say in Jesus' name and then something happens. 
That's not how authority in Christ works. The authority we carry in Jesus comes through the relationship we have with Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus said, remain in me as I remain in you. There's a, there's a, there's a flow backwards and forwards of our, the life of Christ flowing into us as we remain in Christ. And so when we stand alongside someone in prayer, we bring that authority and that power to bear into that person's situation. Authority is the right to be able to do something, and power is the ability to carry it out. So we have the authority in Christ's name, and the Holy Spirit can back us up in the place of prayer and power. You and I can speak healing and life into someone's situation in the name of Jesus. Because the relationship we have, we carry the authority and we carry the power. And we never do this in a showy way. We never do this in a a pushy-over way. We never do any of that. We just simply say, Jesus, would you come into this person's situation? We exercise Jesus' authority in the same way he did, with grace and truth and humility. So we exercise and demonstrate Jesus. And the third thing we do is we speak Jesus. In his letters to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul, he wrote these words. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. God can give you a language for spiritual realities. God can give you insight into spiritual things, and you can speak those things into a person's life when you stand alongside them. There can be a flow through you of the Holy Spirit into the life of that person. Words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities. As I said before, one of the biggest reasons why we don't pray for people is we think we're going to be tongue-tied. We're going to get alongside somebody and we won't know what to say. We simply won't have the words to be able to pray for them. It's one of the biggest fears that most people have and one of the biggest reasons why most people don't pray for somebody else. They're frightened of getting it wrong, they're frightened of saying the wrong thing, or they're frightened of having no words to say. But Jesus is faithful. He is faithful to give you words. He's faithful to give you spiritual language. He's faithful to give you a way to explain spiritual situations. And the problem is, we don't get to experience that reality unless we try it out. John Wimber used to say, we jump off the board, and on the way down, God fills the pool. So we look over the edge, and we think, oh, praying for somebody. Mm, There's no water down there. I don't fancy that. And we don't jump. But if we step off in faith, on the way down, God fills the pool. And as you step out to pray for somebody, I've never met anybody yet who's come back to me. I didn't have any words. I couldn't say anything. I've never met anybody who's come to me after stepping forward to pray for somebody who said that to me. Not once. Not once in 30 years plus of ministry have I ever had someone say, I tried it 
And I didn't mean to say. Because you will always have something to bring. You will always have even the smallest thing to bring. As you step off the board, God will fill the pool because he is faithful, because this is his idea. This is his idea, that we, we incarnate Christ to one another, that we speak spiritual life to one another. He's set it up this way, that we're a body and a family. So he wants it to work. He wants it to happen. It's not our idea. This is God's idea. And so as you go forward, as you take a risk and you step alongside someone and you offer to pray for them, then God will give you something for that person, I guarantee it. Even if you just speak blessing over their life. God, I bless this person in your name. One of the simplest things anyone can do for somebody else. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come in this person's life. Simplest prayers that we can pray. Powerful prayers we can pray. There may be more profound spiritualities that God gives you as you pray, but you can just stand alongside someone and say, God, I just want to bless this person today in your name. I speak life to this person. I speak health to this person. Simple, simple prayers we can all pray. But you might be declaring a spiritual reality that is so profound to that person, it massively changes the way they feel about themselves and the way they feel about God. You incarnate the truth and love of Christ into that person's life. So one of the first things you can do when you come alongside someone to pray is you can just say, God, I want to listen to what you've got. I'm just going to listen for a moment. There's no rush. There's no hurry. I'm going to listen to what you might have for this person. God might whisper in your ear and say, just pray this for this person. Just pray that. The important thing is that you and I are standing alongside someone in prayer. So these three things are really important when we talk about standing alongside someone in the place of prayer. I want to talk about some practical things now that might help you and I when we come to pray for someone. I think one of the first things to remember, as I said before, it's not about you. This is not about you building your big prayer ministry or your powerful prophetic word ministry or whatever else you might have going on. It's not about you. That takes the pressure right off, doesn't it? Because no one cares about you. You just go forward and pray. So people, don't, people aren't watching you. People aren't filming you. People aren't studying you to see what you're doing. You might, it's a lesson you need to learn, guys. People don't care. <laughs> we spend all our lives thinking that people care about us, but actually most people don't care. Not in a, not in a bad way, but they're not watching you. They're not studying you. They're not, they're not, you know, you're not the centre of attention. But we all think we are. You know, we all think we're being watched and studied and, and people are going to judge us and people don't care. So you can go forward just knowing that people don't care. You can go forward and stand alongside somebody free to know that you can just pray for that person. Nobody's watching you. No one's marking you. No one's taking notes. You're just standing alongside the person in prayer. And that releases you from having to do anything special. It releases you from having to be anything special. The guy who pushed me over clearly was insecure about prayer ministry. So he felt if he had a line of people on the floor that he'd pushed down, he would appear to be a powerful prayer, a prayer, whatever that is. He would appear to have a powerful prayer ministry. Perhaps he was trying to launch a book or, a, I don't know, a podcast, but whatever he was trying to do. He thought that by having people on the floor would somehow validate his praying. He felt he needed to bring something. You just bring yourself. Bring yourself. It's never about us. It's about Jesus. And the second thing you can do, if someone 
um, I always say to someone, is it okay if I pray for you? So if I, someone comes forward to pr- for prayer, I'll just check it's okay to pray for them. Occasionally, I'll feel led to pray for somebody out there. So last week, I prayed for Mark. Mark was standing at the end of his row there, and I went over to him and said, is it okay if I pray for you? And he said, yeah. So I prayed for him. And that was great. But I wouldn't just wander up and start praying for him, you know, getting all handsy on him. I have to ask the person, is it okay if I pray for you? And the person might say, actually, no, I've got to go and pick my kids up, or, you know, it's not convenient, or actually... But you, you ask the question, is it okay? And if it's okay, then we can start to pray. I always tend to keep my eyes open when I pray. We've talked about this extensively, haven't we? We keep our eyes open when we pray so we can watch what God is doing. It's really hard to see what God's doing if you've got your eyes closed. But because we've been taught that closing our eyes is spiritual, because we learned to close our eyes at school, didn't we? Hands together, eyes closed, pray. Yeah? Some of you went to schools like that. I did way back. So we've been taught that closing our eyes is a spiritual thing to do. But there's nothing spiritual about closing our eyes. Um, It's helpful sometimes if the person you're praying for closes their eyes because they're not staring at you like this when you're praying for them. You might want to say you might want to close your eyes because it might help you just concentrate and just relax. We're not staring at each other as we pray. That doesn't have to happen either. But I keep my eyes open because I want to see what God's doing. I want to see what's happening with the person as I pray for them. Again, I'm not studying them. I'm just aware of the situation, aware of what's going on as I pray. Always, always be careful where you put your hands. I've seen some horrific situations with people praying for people. Where's the best place to put a hand when you pray for somebody? Shoulder. A good old-fashioned shoulder. Okay, shoulder's a great place to put your hand if you're praying for somebody. But even then, I'd be really cautious about putting my hand on somebody who I hadn't met before. Or, you know, I didn't have any kind of connection with. I might say to them again, is it okay if I just rest my hand on your shoulders and pray for you? Again, they might want to say, actually, that's not okay. You know, we don't start, I don't tend to do the old head thing. (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) With your eyes closed, any pressure on your head is very disorientating. It's no wonder people fall over when they pray, because any pressure on your head when you've got your eyes closed is very easy to lose your balance, isn't it? And so I tend to be really careful. If if you put a hand on someone on the front like that and you start praying, you're exerting a small amount of pressure, and they're going to start to do this. Yeah? So if ever I felt I was putting pressure that way, I'd probably put equal pressure that way to make sure I was holding the person up. I don't spin them around three times. <laughs> but that's how some people do prayer ministry. That's how they do it. Shaky, 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 wobbly, wobbly, wobbly. Boom, he's gone down, look at that. Always be careful where you put your hands. Because, again, it's not about you. It's not about you trying to create an effect in the person. You're coming alongside them to incarnate Jesus. And so... You know, there is laying on of hands in Scripture, and it's, it's a scriptural thing to do. And occasionally we, you might put a... I prayed for someone's feet last week. I just felt led to pray for their feet. So I said, is it OK if I put my hands on your feet? And they went, 
all right. So there was somebody else there. Um, so I just felt it was to do with the, it says in Ephesians about, you know, be shod with the gospel of peace, having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. So I felt I wanted to pray for them to be able to walk into places and carry the gospel with them. So I wanted just to physically put my hand on the trainers and just pray that for them. But again, ask the question, <laughs> otherwise, what are you doing down there? You know, communicate, speak, ask permission, explain what you're trying to do. I had to explain why I felt I wanted to pray for that person's feet, because otherwise it would have been a bit weird, wouldn't it, if I just started praying for their trainers. So, see, spirituality doesn't have to be complicated. It's just natural and normal. And when we're praying for someone, coming alongside them, we want to keep it natural and normal and be as, and be as authentic and real as we can be. We don't have to be weird. We're always listening for Jesus. So if you, if you know somebody at the front and they've come forward for prayer and you are walking up to pray for them, straight away you've got preconceptions about that person. Yeah? You know a bit about their life, you know a bit about their story. You know, you're trying to guess why they've come forward for prayer. You know, it could be this, could be this, could be this, could be this. You know, you, you're trying to, you know a bit about their life, so you're trying to, you need to dial that right down. Dial it all right down. Because the last thing they need... <laughs> is all your thoughts and opinions coming through your prayers. Okay, I really think, you know, I really think, this is what the Lord's saying. Do you really think that? Well, great. I'd rather know what the Lord thinks, to be honest. And that often we, we bring a lot of those preconceptions and ideas when we stand alongside someone in prayer. So as you're approaching someone, dial it all down. Okay. Dial that right down. They don't need your opinions. They don't need your thoughts. They don't need your best ideas. What they need is for you to incarnate Jesus. That makes sense. That's why it's often easy to be prayed by some, for somebody who doesn't know you. They can't bring any preconceptions. They might judge your clothes, but that's as far as it goes. They can't, they can't bring any preconceived ideas or preconceived prayers because they don't know you. Um, and so if I go somewhere where people don't know me, I'll often go and try and get prayer because you get a chance to kind of get undiluted God in that situation, because they can't bring all their preconceived ideas. doesn't mean to say you can't pray for somebody you know, but you have to be aware of all that interference that's going on. So you dial that right down, say, God, help me just dial that all the way down. I want to hear your voice for this person. I want to hear what you've got to say. So we start to pray for them, and we're just listening for God, and we're alongside them, and again... I often chat to people and say, how's it going? What's, what's God saying to you? Do you feel anything? Is God speaking to you? Have a bit of a conversation. It doesn't matter if they open their eyes and talk to me. The Holy Spirit isn't offended. doesn't lift off. You know, we can have a conversation. And also we can just try and figure out then, when does the prayer need to finish? When does it, when does it need to stop? Because there's nothing worse than someone praying for you like 15 minutes and you're like wilting under the weight of the prayers. Um, so... You know, you just need to be able to make sure you're in, kind of in partnership with the person. Uh, so you're not praying for too long. Um, you're just kind of journeying with them. And if someone does get a bit wobbly, the best thing you can do is get them a chair. Because there's nothing special about going down like a tree. There isn't. Again, we've, we've, we've sort of imbibed some sort of, oh, they went down in the spirit. Great. Gravity does that. You know, I mean, what? <laughs> they got wobbly and they fell over. That, that doesn't mean to say... God did anything more special with a person who stood stock still for 10 minutes and didn't bat an eyelid while you pray for them. Because we all react differently to the Spirit, don't we? John Wimber, 
who ushered in one of the most charismatic revivals in healing ministries, never shook, never wobbled, never fell, never did anything. Nothing, nada. Not one kind of outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Yet he saw loads of it. So manifestations of the Spirit don't make you more spiritual or less spiritual. So if you're praying for somebody and they're just stock still, it doesn't matter. If you're praying for someone they're wobbling all over the place, it doesn't matter. The key thing is, are they safe? Are they safe and are you respecting the person? Are you respecting them and looking after them and making sure they're safe? They start to get wobbly. Alan gets wobbly all the time. So we're aware of that. So we have a big shit bubble wrap. No, we, <laughs> we could do it one, to be honest. You get wobbly, don't you, Alan? We pray for you. And that's not us. That's just you. You're just a wobbly person. And um, <laughs> It's a bit like if I stuck my fingers in that three-pin socket over there, <laughs> I would react. If Matt stuck his three fingers in the three-pin socket there, he would react. We might react differently. I might just go, he might, you know. We react differently when we encounter power, when we encounter power, basically. And sometimes when we pray for people, the power of God comes on us, and we all react differently. And some people don't react at all, and some people react very demonstrably. What we're not trying to do is look for the reaction. We're trying to say, how am I incarnating Christ to this person? And we'll deal with the outform. <laughs> of that in a safe way. So we make sure with Alan, there's a couple of people around, we can lower him gently to the floor or a chair, and he's safe. We don't walk off and go, yes, another one. (laughs) (coughs) We continue to pray for him. We continue to listen to God for him, and we continue to bless him. Yeah? So, golden rule. If you went forward for prayer, what would you like to happen to you? That's what you need to do to somebody else. If you went forward for prayer, what would you like to happen to you? And that's what you need to do for somebody else. Yeah, that's the golden rule, isn't it? And so you'd like someone to come alongside you. You'd like someone to be sensitive. You'd like someone to be gentle. You'd like someone to be understanding. You'd like to feel safe. You'd like to feel respected. You'd like all those things, I presume. That's what you do when you incarnate Jesus to somebody else in their situation. And another golden rule is receiving prayer will always make you better at giving prayer. So if you want to get better at standing alongside someone in prayer, then start putting yourself in a place where you receive more prayer. Because receiving prayer will always help you get you better at giving prayer. It's a reciprocal thing, okay? You can't just be a prayer giver. Well, you can be, but you won't know what it feels like then to have someone incarnate Jesus to you. And so... Sometimes you'll feel like you want to receive prayer. Sometimes you'll feel like you want to give prayer. So in worship space later on tonight, I often say you might feel like you want to receive prayer or you might feel released to give prayer. And you'll see in the room a whole flux as some people will stay receiving it and some people will feel released to go and pray. But if you want to get better at standing alongside someone in prayer, then receive prayer. Does that make sense? Really important. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, we find some words of Jesus, some of the final words that he spoke to his disciples. So he commissions them, and he says to them, go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, he closes with these words. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus promises to be always with us to the very end of time. And one of the key ways Jesus is always with us is through you and I. 
because we incarnate Jesus to each other. We stand alongside each other and we bring with us the presence of Jesus. We bring the power of Jesus, we bring the authority and the words of Jesus. And Jesus created this beautiful family called church where that could happen, where his spirit could live in us and we could be present forever with each other, bringing the presence of Jesus. And so when you and I come alongside someone in prayer, we're ministering that promise to each other. Never will I leave you because I'm always present in my people by my spirit. And I would love Riverside to grow in this area. I would love us to be a church where we are always incarnating Jesus to one another, where we're always coming alongside one another. I'd love it to be that we knew that if we went forward for prayer, there'd always be someone who would come and stand alongside us. That would be something we felt so secure in. Because each of us carries the powerful and effective presence of Jesus. Amen? Let's stand together for Abel. Invite the band to come back up. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.